Let's get the mind spinning a little bit. I want you to start thinking and pondering over the questions of life. Out of every question that can be asked about life, what do you think matters the most? Think about that. Out of any question, every question that can be asked, what do you think matters the most? Think about all the questions about life, questions that people ask. People are asking now, I hear people saying, how do we stop violence in our society? That's a big question. How do we eradicate racial injustice? How do we fix the extreme poverty experienced by many in third world countries? Those are great questions. But some people ask even more personal questions. Questions like, why am I here? Is my life an accident or is there purpose for my life? How about this? What happens after I die? Those two are great questions. But there's actually a question that is far greater than those. And it has much more weight than those. It relates to life now and life in the future. And here is the question. Who is Jesus Christ? Who is Jesus Christ? If you understood Stella, she knows. I'm going to translate that for you shortly. I'll interpret that. But Stella knows who Jesus Christ is. But that answer to that question will affect every other answer to every other question of life. Who is Jesus Christ? If you're taking notes this morning, the title of the message is, Who is Jesus Christ? The text we'll be covering is John chapter 1. As Pastor Manning said, yes, we are beginning a new book. You might be with us for a long stay. We're going through the book of John together. Verse by verse, Lord willing. So would you please stand with me and honor the public reading of God's written word. If you have a Bible, open it up to John chapter 1. If you have a bulletin, it'll be on the left-hand side of the leaflet. John chapter 1. As you turn there, I'm going to go ahead and pray for our time in God's word. Father, as we stand before you, God, we honor the public reading of your word. God, we thank you that we gather in this place not to hear the opinion of any man, but God, we come to study and to hear your truth. God, thank you for recording your truth for us. Thank you for your spirit being the teacher who will guide us into all truth. We pray that you would continue to reveal yourself to us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's read John chapter 1, starting in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So reads God's inspired, inerrant, infallible, and holy word. Please be seated, church. So again, today we're beginning a verse-by-verse -verse journey through the Gospel of John. And before we dive right into these first five verses, let's cover a quick introduction into the Gospel of John. Because John is unique amongst all the Gospels. The first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they're known as the synoptic gospels. It comes from a Greek word that means to see together. It means that Matthew, Mark, and Luke have much in common as they record similar things about Christ's life 
and his ministry. But John's gospel is very unique. It includes a large amount of material not found in the synoptics. As a matter of fact, about 90% of what John records is not in the synoptics. John writes later, so that information was already out. John is writing later, bringing more information. It is important to know that nothing that John writes is contradicting any of the Gospels. He's adding to it. He focuses more on the discourses of Christ than on the narratives. And as we study through John, you'll notice, much like the other Gospels, that the author's name is not listed within the writings of the Gospel of John. Yet the early church confirms that the Apostle John was the author. As you look through Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you read those Gospels, you'll see John's name appear about 20 times. But it does not appear in his Gospel. Anybody know why? Because he wrote it. However, it's interesting how he refers to himself in his own Gospel. He refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. That's how he would refer to himself. He also records the purpose for writing this gospel. We see that in John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. John says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus Christ, or Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Church, why is the Gospel of John recorded for us? So that you might believe in Jesus Christ and might have life in His name. John wanted people to know the truth and he wanted them to believe the truth. So he records this Gospel for us. The verb to believe is used almost a hundred times in this Gospel. More than double any other Gospel. In the Gospels, we have four major accounts of the life of Jesus. Each of them present a different focus on Jesus, showing a different part of his ministry or his personhood. Matthew presents Jesus as king. Mark presents Jesus as the suffering servant. Luke details his humanity as the son of man. And here John is focused on Jesus' deity. That's the focus of this Gospel. This will address life's most important question, who is Jesus Christ? The apostles set out immediately. John sent out immediately to establish the deity of Jesus Christ. We don't begin with a genealogy. We don't begin with any other narrative except focusing on who is Jesus Christ. Focusing on the de deity of Christ. He does this for a very important reason. John MacArthur points this out. John MacArthur says, The deity of the Lord Jesus Christ is an essential, non-negotiable tenet of the Christian faith. It's non-negotiable. Who Jesus is. John's going to waste no time at unfolding the answer to who is Jesus Christ. Now, spoiler alert, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag really quick. Some of you are like, no, we got to wait till the end. No, we're going to wait. Till now. We're going to know ahead of time. Here it is. You ready? Jesus Christ is God. That's it. Okay, you can go home now. That's it. That's it. But that truth should be mind-blowing. And that's what he's going to unpack. 
Jesus Christ is God. We'll unfold that truth by looking at three points this morning. If you're taking notes, here will be the three points we'll look at. The first one, the word of all eternity. Point number two, the word of all creation. And point number three, the word of all life. So let's begin with point number one. The word of all eternity. Looking back in the scriptures, John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Stop there for a second. So imagine this is your first time reading this. What question comes to mind very quickly? We see this word three times, right? And you might ask, what's the word? We see this word three times. He refers to word. What, what's the word? Well, again, jumping ahead, verse 14, look down at verse 14 with me. We see the word became flesh, and it dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Are you able to piece those together? So instead of saying, what's the word, the better question would have been, who the word? Who's the word? The word is Jesus Christ. Some of you might say, well, why didn't he just make it easier? Why didn't John just write, in the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God? That would have been a lot more simple. Wouldn't have had to keep reading all the way down to verse 14. That was a lot of work to get there. But he did it intentionally. There's a lot more meaning the way that he wrote it. In the Greek, Jesus being the word, the logos, is unfolding the divine self-expression of deity. Divine self-expression. Think about this. Have you ever thought, what is a word? What is a word? That's a question I'm asking you. Think. What's a word? Right. So it's going to communicate. It means something. It's an expression of thought. Right? It's a word that is it's a revelation of a thought. Jesus Christ is the word of God. And as the word of God, God is revealing himself. God is revealing his thoughts. God is revealing his purpose. God is revealing his plan through the word of God. John writes this in verse 18 of chapter 1. He says, No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He, being the Word, has made Him known. He, Christ, has made Him known. Jesus has made God known. The Word of God reveals the glory of God to us. That is a splendid Splendid truth. Understanding that Jesus is the Word lets us look again at why He would use the Word, the revealing of God's glory. We look again at the opening verses here. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Stop there. I want to hold on those first three words. In the beginning. Does that make any connections for any of you? Some of you have opened up your Bible. And said, I don't know where to start. It's a book. So most books, I just start at the very beginning. And you open up the very beginning, and the first words you read, in 
the beginning. In the beginning, God did what? Genesis 1.1. God created the heavens and the earth. If we had a timeline in here, if we were in class, probably at Indian Bible College, there'd be a timeline somewhere. And on that timeline, we would begin it with creation. At that time, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1 does not say in the beginning God was created. Yes, follow me. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Not in the beginning of that timeline, God was created. That's important. We're going to talk about that. Because God is pre-existent. God is self-existent. He has always been and He will always be. That's God. The question's often asked by people, well, who created God? But it's based on a wrong assumption. Their assumption is that God must be a created being, but He is self-existent. He is pre-existent. He has always been. God was. Period. John starts off his gospel, in the beginning was the Word. It's pointing back to that very same truth. Was the Word. The Greek word here, the verb used for was, means to exist. John starts by taking us back to the beginning when all was created and said the Word was already existing. The Word was already there. John makes the point. He drives it home that Jesus Christ was already in existence from all eternity when the heavens and the earth were created to point to the fact that Jesus is not a created being. Christ has existed from all eternity. That's how he starts off the gospel. Christ has always been. And that truth provides proof, definitive proof, of Christ's deity. For only God is eternal. Only God. John continues in John chapter 1, verse 1. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Now, hold on to your seats real quick. What did we just say? Who is Jesus Christ? We said he is God. Well, I'm totally confused by now. Because the very next thing we see is, wait, wait, I thought he, Jesus was God. How could he then be with God? Anybody have an answer? Good, because I'll give you one. <laughs> Scripture states that God is one. Yet, it describes his existence as three distinct persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Some of you have started the F260 reading plan this year. We're going through the redemption plan of God. And he started off in Genesis. In the first chapter of Genesis, in verse 26, some of you might have saw something and said, wait a minute, what? In verse 26, the very beginning it says, Genesis 1:26. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. You guys hear the record scratch? What? What's he talking about? What is the us and, and who are the us and who are the our and the are? God is one, but exists in three distinct persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one God. And as one God, they have all existed for all eternity. 
John writes that the Word was with God. This Greek expression, it goes beyond just saying that He existed at the same time. It can actually be rendered, the Word was face to face with God. Gee, think about that for a second. This helps us to understand that for all eternity, Jesus had deep, intimate fellowship with the Father. Face to face. John continues, and now he cuts straight to the chase. Not only has the Word always existed and been face to face with the Father for all eternity, but John declares that the Word was God. John 1 1, read in its fullness. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. There you have it. Now you can go home. Getting closer. Word was God. It can't be any clearer, church. Who is Jesus Christ? The answer is Jesus Christ is God. Clear. It's right there. Scripture clearly and fully declares that Jesus is God. Do you know why the Jews came after Jesus? Do you know what he had done that they got so upset about? He declared himself to be God. To be equal with the Father. We don't have time this morning to cover all the supporting verses that John is talking about. This declaration that Jesus is God. But hopefully if you got a bulletin day, there was a leaflet in there. And there are a ton of cross-references for you to look up. So when someone says Jesus isn't God, not only you turn to John 1, but you have a whole plethora of verses to turn to. Jesus is God. Let's go on to point number two this morning. Let's look at the word of all creation. In John chapter 1, verse 3, the Apostle John continues. He says, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Read that again. Without him was not anything made that was made. Literally means not even one thing was made without Jesus. Everything was made by him. So the word, as we refer to Jesus as the word, we see that he is also the agent of all creation. The word being the agent of all creation. We read this in Psalm chapter 33, verse 6. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. Think about the Old Testament. How did God create the world? He spoke it into existence. Jesus Christ is the word, the agent of all creation. He's the word. If you're taking notes... Get ready. I'm going to go through some cross-references. You're going to want to write down. We're going to see four clear declarations of Jesus Christ being the word of all creation. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, we read, For by him, being Christ, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. The Word, the agent of all creation, Jesus Christ. We read in the beginning of the book of Hebrews, verse 3, the very beginning, speaking of Christ as 
He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And listen, he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Well, I want you to think about this real quick. Any science people in here? Science majors or anything else? Okay, we've got one science, former science teacher. States of matter. Okay, just think of states of matter. By the way, California is not a state of matter. Well, I guess it is, but different classification. You have a solid, like what you're sitting on. Anybody know what's going on with the atoms in that solid? They're moving. They are not glued together. They're actually vibrating really quick together. Who holds that all together? The author of all creation. It's amazing when you look at science and you look at the details of science and you see the way the word describes those things, that there is an author of all that. There is a designer of that. There is an upholder of that, one who sustains that, and that is Christ. We see before his throne in heaven the elders worshiping Jesus in Revelation chapter 4. And in verse 11, we see them say, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. Listen, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. The word of all creation. Jesus Christ being praised, being glorified. On the front of your bulletin, you see the tagline for the church comes from Romans 11.36. which say, for God, for his glory forever. Romans 11.36 says this, For from him and through him and to him are all things to him be glory forever. Amen. Jesus Christ is the word of all creation. So he is the word. He has always existed. He is the author of everything around us, the sustainer of it. But that includes our third point, and this is what we'll drive home this morning. He is the word of all life. The word of all life. John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, we read, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In him was life. In who? The word. The word of all life. This word, zoe, in the Greek, it can refer to both physical and spiritual life. It can refer to eternal life but it could also just mean existence. And I'm going to unpack that for you real quick. Some scholars believe that what John is stating here in verse 4, that in him was life, that John was referring to the self-existent, self-sufficient nature of God. It's known as the aseity of God. And while that can certainly be argued, John's purpose for writing this gospel was to focus on the deity of Christ so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing in Him, you may have life, life in His name. So we're going to take from that word life. What kind of life is He speaking of that He desires for us to have in Christ's name? John uses this word life 36 times in his gospel. He greatly desires for his readers to have life, eternal life, 
and that it's only found in Jesus Christ. In John chapter 1, verse 5, you'll see he writes, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This has direct ties to the Old Testament. We read in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shown. You know who that is? Do you know that's referring to? The same Jesus. The Word of all life. Later on in the book of Isaiah, chapter 60, verses 1 and 2, we read, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the people's. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. Church, that is glorious news. That there is darkness, but it has not overcome the light. The light has come. That the word, the word gives light. The word. Jesus Christ is the word of all life. He gives light so that we may no longer have to walk in darkness. In John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus speaking, John 8, 12 says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. What kind of light? A flashlight? A headlight? How about a strobe light? No, the light of life. What is he speaking of? John refers to this. Jesus refers to this. What are they speaking of? It is the knowledge of the glory of God revealed in Jesus Christ. Say that again. The knowledge of the glory of God revealed in Jesus Christ. We read this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Could you imagine this? God, who existed for all eternity, the desire to reveal His glory to us, to show us Himself, and not only to show us Himself, but to give us life in His name an amazing truth. To truly believe that Jesus Christ is God is to truly know eternal life. We see later in John chapter 17, Jesus speaking in verse 3 says, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. So the question would come, do you know this Jesus? Can you answer the question correctly, who is Jesus Christ. Because that's why this was recorded. Not so you could win on Jeopardy and get all the questions right. Not so you could have some little trivia game with your friends and they could say, wow, you know so much Bible. It's so that you would know Jesus and that you would have life in his name. See, Jesus Christ came as the word of all life and he came to give life. But he described it as not just any type of life. He called it abundant life. In John chapter 10, verse 10, the latter half 
Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Now, I'm looking at everyone in this place, and you all might say, well, Pastor, I got breath this morning, so I've got life. He's speaking of something far greater than just breath. He's speaking of not only this present time, but he's speaking for all eternity. Everlasting life, eternal life. I want you to think about this. If this was it, and this is all we focused on, think about what we chase after and what we pursue. All the stuff of this world. I want more of it. I need more of it. That would be my pursuit. We see the bumper sticker, he who dies with the most toys wins. You know what he wins? It's not good. It's not a prize you want. Not the prize he was looking for. And he ain't taking that stuff with him. Jesus says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul? Jesus came to give life and to give life eternal. Jesus himself would declare in John 14, 6, he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. He says, no one comes to the Father except through me. There is no other way that he came as the word. And he is the word of all life, of all eternal life. It must be through him. Church, this is so important because the world says there are many ways to heaven. There are many ways to God. There are many roads. Well, you know what? Jesus said the same thing. There are many roads. And there's some easy roads. But he said the end leads to destruction, not to eternal life. We have to be so careful. People say, well, this is so exclusive and, and, and Jesus is so narrow-minded. No, Jesus Christ is God. He's God. Whatever he declares, we must listen to. We must submit to. Jesus says this in John 8.24. He says, I told you that you would die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Unless you believe that I am God, you're going to die in your sins. This is so vital. Out of all of life's questions, look, you can get many answers wrong and you'll still be okay. Many questions of life, you can answer them the wrong way and you'll still be okay. But you cannot get this answer wrong. You cannot get the answer to who is Jesus Christ wrong. It's the only question that you must get right. You'll have some well-intentioned folks show up at your door, and they'll knock, and they'll open up these verses and say, oh, no, it doesn't say Jesus was God. It says Jesus was a God. And I say, yeah, you have to put that in there because that's what it comes from the Greek. Well, that's interesting because they didn't say in the beginning was a God and he was with a God and he was a God. But they've changed it entirely. They've got this question wrong. And because of that, eternity looms in a very dangerous manner. Make sure you know your Bibles. Make sure you know what the Word of God says. And the Word of God declares Jesus Christ as God. He is God. The correct answer, if you're sitting there and you say, yes, amen, and hallelujah, Jesus Christ is God, then it demands a response. 
You can't just sit there and say, yes, that is 100% the truth, and just sit in that. You must respond. It is a truth that needs a response. Since He is God, we must submit. Since He is God, we must follow. Since He is God, we must worship. There is no other answer. Jesus Christ is God. I like what Charles Spurgeon said. Charles Spurgeon said this. He says, depend on it, my hearer. You will never go to heaven unless you are prepared to worship Jesus Christ as God. Church, don't forget John's point of writing this gospel. Again, John 20, verse 31. These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. So what do we do with that truth? For those of us that are standing firm in that, we rejoice. We're reminded of the goodness and the glory of God. But it's by chance that there's some in here who are churched. You have gone to church week after week. You've gone to Bible college day after day. And yet you're getting the answer wrong. That the answer resides up in your head and you go, I can get it right on a test, but my life, doesn't. there's no evidence that that is true. This text pleads with you. It urges you to respond to the truth that Jesus Christ is God. Jesus would say, come, come to me. Jesus would say, follow me. He says, if you follow me, you will not walk in darkness. Brothers and sisters, I plead with you today. Come to Christ. Follow him. Submit to him. Obey Him. He is God. Don't play with the idea that I can get the answers right on a test and fail the real test. That you never knew Him. That you would stand before Jesus on the day of judgment and He would say, depart from me. I never knew you, you worker of lawlessness. God's given me a calling to pastor, you guys. And it's to shepherd your souls that I will give an account for every single one of your souls. That my desire is that you all will know the word of all life. That you will follow him. You will turn to him. Jesus himself said this. He said, repent and believe. Turn from your ways. Turn from your sin and turn to God. And trust in all that Christ has done for you. He died for your sins and he rose for your justification. That now you could have life. Life. A life of righteousness. A life being reconciled to God. A life redeemed. The time is now, church. The hour is late. That today would be the day of salvation. That we no longer play with the things of God, but that we turn to Jesus Christ, who is God. May today He be glorified in rescuing you out of darkness and making you light. Let's pray. Father, what an amazing passage that we open up with in this book of John. The Word. God, as we have been challenged with who is Jesus Christ, I know many in this place, if I gave them a test, could check off the right answer. But God, I pray that your Spirit 
withdraw those right now in Jesus' name that don't truly know you. They might profess with their lips, but they have never been drawn by your spirit to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. I pray that today would be the day of salvation. I pray that today would be the day that the heavens rejoice as one sinner repents. God, we pray many would turn. Father, for those of us in here who are walking in the faith, God, we praise you, we glorify you, we rejoice as we look at the word, at Jesus Christ. We thank you for sending Christ on our behalf, for paying the penalty that we could never pay, for conquering sin and death on our behalf. Father, you are so good. We praise you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.